All right, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Happy New Year, everybody. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and tell him, Blessed New Year. Brothers and sisters, our theme for 2008 was God's doing a new thing. Isaiah 43:19. Our theme for 2009 was from the letter written to the church in Philadelphia. It was called Open Doors. And people experienced all kinds of open doors in 2009. Amen? Amen. And that's how we got our church name, New Philadelphia, by the way. Just in case you're all wondering if I just named it after my hometown. It's okay if you think that. God has got a funny sense of humor. But I'm telling you, when we get to heaven, you'll find out the real story. But anyway, that's how we named our church New Philadelphia in 2009, actually. We um, established our identity as New Philadelphia Church. Now, as I've been seeking the Lord for the theme of 2010, I sense the Lord bring me to Luke 17.5. It's the verse that was read by our sister G just now. Luke 17.5. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Somebody say, Increase my faith. Increase my faith. Hallelujah. And so, you know, I kept asking the Lord for confirmation because there were many theme verses that I could have gone with. And... The Lord just kept haunting me with this verse. And, you know, and, and, and in, you know, the context wasn't as strong as I would have wanted it. And, uh, I, but I will wake up these days and this verse will be the first thing on my mind. And then this, this theme would just keep turning in my spirit. I'd be preparing sermons and I would get inspirational downloads for the outline of this message that I'm about to preach to you today. So what I declare to you, I declare to you boldly, 2010, brothers and sisters, will be the year of epic faith. Hallelujah. It is the year of faith. Hallelujah. For all those who worship with us here in New Philly or are connecting to us via podcast, mark my words. God is going to increase the faith of his people to epic proportions, and it's going to cause faith to rise up on a grand scale in 2010. Hallelujah. Now, as faith increases, some people, they're going to move on decisions or situations that would have otherwise been held back by fear. As faith increases, others are going to step up into leadership positions. Others are going to take challenges that they weren't ready for a year ago. Faith is going to increase and God is going to continue to bring forth His goodwill on this earth. I believe that faith will also increase in the hearts of unsaved family and friends. Amen? It's the year of faith. And I believe that in this year we're going to see just multitudes of people that we've been praying for coming to Christ. It's the year of faith. It's the year of epic faith. Hallelujah. And thanks to my Aussie brothers and sisters, I have caught wind of this wonderful word, epic. Hallelujah. It's like 
epic. It's just a word that just means like grand, awesome. Like how how would you guys define it? It's epic. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know when God promised Abraham a son when he was about 100 years old, the Bible says in Romans chapter 4, Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old. Or when he considered the barrenness of his wife Sarah, no distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God. But check this out: he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Hallelujah! In other words, Abraham's faith increased as he heard the promise of God and did not waver from it. You know, there are some of you sitting here that are holding on to promises. That make no sense in the natural, but as you give glory to God, your faith will grow strong. Your faith will increase until you receive your Isaac. Hallelujah! Now we got to realize that each of us we have different levels or different measures of faith. We often think of faith as being something you turn on or off. It is a digital thing, a one or a zero. Okay, but faith is not static like that. It's more dynamic. Faith has different levels and measures. You know, a lot of times people ask you, "Well, do you do you have faith in God?" It's a yes or no question. Do you have faith in Christ? And if you say yes, you're a Christian, right? But I'm telling you, faith is much. More dynamic than that. There are measures of faith. Some of you in here, you have a high level, a high measure of faith, and others in here, you have a very low measure of faith. Sometimes, in the name of humility, the body of Christ discourages people from assessing their measure of faith. But that's not what the Bible says. Turn to Romans chapter twelve, verse three. Romans chapter twelve, verse three. If I up here, I went up to my brother Marcus and I said, "Brother Marcus, I have a greater measure of faith than you in the area of laying hands. I have greater measure of faith than you in evangelism." I have greater measure of faith than you in romance. Hallelujah. All right, maybe maybe he thinks that that was not accurate. But what if I went up and I and I and I just identified it and I, I just called it out and I say, hey, that's that's why you can learn a thing a thing or two from me. All right, and I and I said that. What would what would the rest of you think? All right, hey, exactly. In the words of my wife, all right, you are conceited. You that is pride. Right? Where is the humility? All right. But what what the Bible tells us is that that if you do it if you do it in the right way, that is not a bad thing to do. Because sometimes, because we want to avoid that, we want to avoid appearing that way. We don't even measure the we don't assess the faith the measure of faith that we have. Okay. If you can't measure if you can't assess the measure of faith you have. You can't assess the measure of faith somebody else has. Does somebody hear me here? Being the lead pastor of this church, my job is to delegate 
And there's a lot of people that can delegate. And then there's others that delegate rightly. In order to delegate rightly, I got to assess the measure of faith that I see in God's people. I can't just give you a leadership position because just because you're proving faithful. I got to see a measure of faith in that area for that leadership position. And I got to see that you're ready for it. I got to see that there is enough measure for me to work with. Hallelujah. Look at Romans 12 verse 3. All the brothers, let's read that together. ESV version. One, two, three, go. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Hallelujah. God has assigned to you a measure of faith in a particular area that is greater than someone else. But that someone else may have a different area where they have a greater measure of faith than you. But you see, a lot of us get stuck on the first half of this verse. I say to every one of you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And so they go, they go oh, well, I shouldn't think of myself more highly. So, and then they end up not thinking of themselves at all. But that is not the answer. You've got to read the rest of the verse. It says, instead, instead of thinking of yourself more highly than you ought, think of yourself with sober judgment. Hallelujah. Sober judgment. And then be real with yourself. Where do I have a good measure of faith? Where has God assigned a measure of faith for me? Because if you will identify those things, it will help you identify your call. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, you know I, I saw a video on Facebook this past week of, of one of our new brothers, our brother Danny here, right? He was, he's a b-boy, so he was, he was doing a little breakdance routine. And, uh, and he, he, he just like kicked off the wall and did a flip. And then he was doing all these like windmills. And I don't know what they're called, right? It was just breakdancing. And I was like, that brother has something I don't. Okay. And you know what? When it, when it came down to it, he had a measure of faith for breakdancing. If he did not have that measure of faith, he wouldn't have practiced to get to the level he's at. You see? But you see, when I looked at breakdancers... I was not assigned a measure of faith for breakdancing. So what I do? I tried a little bit, but I didn't go further. Why? Because I knew that that was my assignment. And I thought of my, I thought of myself with sober judgment. And I said, Lord, I'm gonna stick with preaching. Hallelujah. Now, now I, I believe that's faith. I, I don't think breakdancing is not spiritual. All right. All right. God gives the ability to break dance. It's a beautiful thing. When we get to heaven, people are going to be dancing. There will be break dancers in heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it takes faith to, to, to practice enough to, to be able to perform and, and, and make it look good. When we think of gifts, we think of gifts as being static. They are something we receive for free and that's it. Okay. But the Bible says to use your gifts, verse 6 of Romans 12. Look at verse 6. 
having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to what? To our faith. Hallelujah. Two people can have the same gifts, but if one person combines their gifts with greater measures of faith that they're developing and nurturing into, that person is going to see greater results than another person who has the same gifting. In proportion to faith. Let's just be real in here. There is such a thing as strong faith and weak faith. I'm telling you, faith, faith is not just on and off. When, you, when your faith turns on, that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. There is such a thing as weak, baby, immature faith. And then those who have that strong faith. That mighty warrior faith. That David faith. You think when David saw Goliath, he had weak faith? I don't think so. He had strong faith. He looked at Goliath and he declared, You come against me with swords, javelins, spears, whatever you got, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And I would make you fall and then chop off your head. He said, chop off, I will chop your head and your, your body will be for the, as food for the birds of the air. He said all that. That's strong faith. That's strong faith. As opposed to Saul, King Saul, his predecessor, at home he had weak faith. Hallelujah. There is such a thing as strong faith. If you look in 1 Corinthians 13, 2, Paul mentions mountain-moving faith. Right? That chapter is on love, but he mentions mountain-moving faith. There are some people that have that kind of strong faith. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, Paul tells us to excel in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness, in love, and in faith. If you excel in faith, you will have strong faith. Now on the other hand, Romans 14, 1 says, As for the one who is weak in faith, weak in faith. Okay, So Apostle Paul clearly identifying there is such a thing between strong faith and weak faith. First Thessalonians 3.10, Paul longed to see those in Thessalonica so that he may supply what is lacking in their faith. Hallelujah. I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask them, you got strong faith or weak faith? Say it with a straight face. Do you have strong faith or weak faith? Strong faith. Hallelujah. Well, praise the Lord. Don't matter where you are, strong or weak, 2010 is the year of epic faith. Hallelujah. Faith is going to increase in this house. And glory to God, you will never be the same again. Hallelujah. You know, faith is not like one score. Marcus has 42. John Michael's got 142. <laughs> Mina's got, you know, 90, 90 or something. You know, like, it's not this score. I just made up the scores, man. Don't look into it. 
making it up. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. Sober judgment, brother. No, 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 I'm playing. Now, <clears throat> now, faith isn't like that. If you ever play, uh, like, uh, if you ever play, like a sports game, and then a lot of the sports games these days, uh, you can create your own character. Like in Madden, you can create your own player. Like uh, in WrestleMania, you can create your own wrestler. <laughs> Hallelujah! On Brothers Night, I had created a uh, character on my WrestleMania game uh, 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 called Dragon, and it was supposed to look like me. And uh, he had tattoos, and you know, I'm not allowed. I won't get tattoos, but if I was a wrestler, I would. And uh, and the funny thing is. Uh, we did this Royal Rumble thing, and um, the computer, uh, there was one spot left for the computer, and the computer, uh, we, we had assigned a uh, dragon to the computer. And so they did this six-man Royal Rumble, and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, let's take out Christian first. And everyone's trying to push my character out of the Royal Rumble. You just got to push him out the ring, and they're disqualified. And so they're trying to push my character, and he just wouldn't go out. And then he started throwing everybody. He started throwing, uh, I think he threw Josh, and Josh was so determined to get Pastor Christian out of the ring, and then at the end he lost, and 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 and, and Christian won. <laughs> Brother Josh, I know you're listening. Hallelujah. Um, and, and and what I did was, when I created this character, it wasn't like you know, you know, just one score. There was like these different levels and different areas that I can slide up and down. So it was like my. I could, I could slide up the, uh, you know, agility or stamina or, you know, quickness or whatever. Like, you know, there's all these different assessments. And faith is like that. There's all these different areas in which you can have measures of faith. And some people's got like a 100 over here and 3 here. And, you know, 80 there and 50 here. And the funny thing is, we tend to just think of it very static. And so we go, man, and you, you know, you secretly might think, well, I, I have stronger faith than that brother. You know, and I, and, I, and I might look at Marcus and say, I got stronger faith than you, bro. Okay? But they may, they may not be entirely accurate. Why? Because there may be actually certain areas in which Marcus has actually a greater measure of faith. It could have been assigned to him, or it's something he has developed. Hallelujah. So it, it, it's very sobering in that sense. We should never really look down on each other. We should learn to appreciate the gifts and the measures of faith that each person has. Evangelism, public speaking, leading prayer, administration, laying hands, miracles, shepherding, leading worship, church planning. Each and every one of you in here, in all those, you have a different score. You have a measure of faith. Now, since 2010 is the, I'm declaring that it is the year of epic faith. I got a question. Why would we want more faith? Why would we want an increase in faith? Why? Okay. Well, number one. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified Christ so that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, why do we want more faith? Well, it's because the Bible says, the righteous shall live by faith. We should want more faith only just with the simple reason that we're supposed to live by it. 
It's supposed to be a characteristic of God's redeemed people. That's why the Bible says, the righteous shall live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5-7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. There are a lot of Christians that live by sight. And they develop that really well. Man, I'm really perceptive. I know how to just assess situations. And they just live by, by sight. But the real area that you should be developing is living by faith. Why do we want more faith? I'll tell you why. Because faith is powerful. That's why you want more faith. You got more faith and you will see more power in your life. Hallelujah. Faith is powerful. Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said, It's because you have so little faith. I'll tell you the the truth. If you have faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus really dissed his disciples here, if you think about it. Because he said, man, you have little faith. And then he said, man, if you have faith, and you're not even at this level, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. Jesus is saying, you have faith smaller than a mustard seed. That's all he's saying. You didn't, you didn't catch that, did you, right? Anyway, that's what Jesus was doing here. And, and some people will, will take this to say something else. But if you, really, if you look at this, I believe what Jesus is also teaching here is, you got to increase your faith. You got to learn to develop and increase your faith. Because as your faith grows... Nothing will be impossible for you. Power. The power of God is made available for those who are strong in faith. Hallelujah. Faith can move mountains. Why should we want more faith? Because with greater faith, there is a greater freedom and confidence when we approach God. Amen? Ephesians 3.12 says, In Him and through faith in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Hallelujah. I just took it right out of the verse. Let me read that again. In Him and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen? Amen. You know, when you look in this room, there are people that approach God with freedom and confidence. And then there's those who approach God with fear, shame, guilt. Or they have confidence, but it's very tiny little confidence. And there are those who raise their hands, and then there's those who raise their hands. Somebody know what I'm talking about. There are those who worship, and man, there are those who worship with freedom and confidence. Why? Because they have faith. They have greater measures of faith. And I'm telling you, as your faith grows, your worship of God become much more filled with freedom, faith, confidence, boldness. Hallelujah. If God still seems very distant from you, when you worship Him, He still feels so distant It's not the issue with music, I'm telling you. It's not the worship leader. It's not the worship team's fault. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the issue of faith. 
That's an issue of faith, because as your faith grows, I'm telling you, your freedom and comfort. Man, I can stand in the, you know, like those who have great faith, they can go to any environment and they can worship God with freedom and confidence. You know, I learned this the hard way. You know, when I was, when my faith was growing, and then, you know, when, you know, when, you're, when you're a college student, you know, you know, you flow with what you see. You flow with what you got. So if you go to a conference or retreat and the praise is just on fire and the praise is just feeling passionate, then you raise your hands and then everyone's passionate. And, you know, no one's looking because everybody's raising their hands. And then I will go to retreats and nobody's singing. And nobody's really worshiping. And everybody's all quiet. And what do I do? I also reserve myself. And I stay quiet. But there came a day when my faith started to grow. And when I was over at Brooklyn Tabernacle, I would shout and I would praise God in this sanctuary with freedom and confidence. And I went over to D.C. to a church that will remain un- unnamed. Hallelujah. And when I was there, I was like, man, this church is like dry. Dry like a feather. It's just dry. And you know what? You know what I did? Me and my man David Pio. I just looked at him. I said, you know what? What, what, what you want to do? I'm going to praise God. What you going to do? I'm going to praise God. All right, we're going to praise God. And we just praise God with freedom and confidence in that environment. Hallelujah. And you know what? I, and people came up to me afterwards and they were like, oh, uh, hi, how are you? Are you a newcomer? Uh, you know what? I, I saw you worshiping and I was so blessed. Can I just say I was really blessed? And I was like, well, I wonder why you're looking at me. I wasn't doing it for you. I was worshiping my God for freedom and confidence. And if it blessed you, have a hallelujah. We should try it too. That's it right there, hallelujah. With greater freedom and confidence as your faith grows. Why, why should you want more faith? Well, I'll tell you why. Protection. Faith is a shield, the Bible says, Ephesians 6.16. Faith is a shield, Hallelujah. It stops all the fiery darts of the enemy. Doubt. Doubt is like uh, uh the, the, the undershirt. Okay, it doesn't give you much protection. Okay. That's doubt. It's like, come on, enemy, come on. And the enemy's like, <laughs> look at what you got on. Doubt, skepticism, criticism. Right? What you need is faith. Faith. And hallelujah, man, I was on the way to church today and God was showing me signs that He had preordained all of this. But look at your bulletin, right? What you see on your bulletin? Behind that logo is what? It's a shield. Hallelujah. Alright. Marcus and I did, we're not smart enough to have pre-planned all of this. Okay? Or it just happened that way. Right? It was, you know, and I was looking through his designs, and I said, that's the one right there. I don't know why, but that's the one. And then, and then God starts speaking to me about the sermon, and then on my way today, God's like, look at it. What's on there? It's a shield. That's right, it's a shield of faith. Because this is the year of faith. Next year, we'll change the bulletin design cover. It's going to be something else. But this year, it's going to be the year of faith. Of epic faith. Hallelujah. That's why there's something like exploding in the background right there, right? This is faith, man. Exploding, hallelujah. 
Some of you might be thinking, well, what is faith? What is faith? What is faith? Isn't it just whether you believe or not? Isn't that what faith is? Okay, no, faith is, I'm telling you, more dynamic than that. Faith is much more dynamic than that. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the Bible says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Hallelujah. The assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. Hallelujah. When your faith is growing and it's strong, then your assurance of things that you are hoping for will be a stronger assurance. When I was hoping to get married, hallelujah, God was developing my faith. And my, when I was younger, I would just be like, Lord, maybe, what if I just don't get married? What if no one wants to marry me? And, you know, all these insecurities, you know. And was, that was my main concern. Oh, Lord, Lord, just, just send me anyone. I'll, I'll be happy with anyone. You know, and that's how we start praying, you know, when you don't have faith. You don't have much assurance of the things that you're hoping for. But when my faith grew, I was like, oh, I know I'm getting married. I'm going to marry a beautiful girl. Inside. Hallelujah. Inside out. Hallelujah. And I just, my hope was strong. That assurance of the things that I was hoping for, man, it was a strong assurance. Right? A conviction of the things that are not seen. You know, I'll stand up here and I'll say something like, when I was beginning my uh, pastoral leadership here two years ago, right? One of the first things I cast a vision for, and you know, it wasn't anything like that I had conjured up. I was just like trying to follow, follow the leading of the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit was like, raise up 300. You're going to raise up 300 mighty warriors. The vision is for the army of God. I want to raise up my army through this church, and you're going to raise up 300 of them. Right here. And so I said, we are going to raise up 300 mighty warriors, amen? And everyone's like, ah, yeah. And uh, I looked at people and I was like, they, they don't, Lord, they don't, they're not, they're not, they don't have that conviction of the things that are unseen. They don't have that conviction like I do. And the Lord said, well, don't worry about that. I gave it to you first for a reason. Because somebody's got to lead. Somebody has got to believe it. Walk toward it. Kick open the doors for it. And then welcome people in. Somebody got to believe it when nobody else believes it. That's what a forerunner does. Hallelujah. And you know what? There are forerunners that have gone before me. Whose blessings that I'm reaping today. People in the faith. People in the Pentecostal faith. People in the charismatic movement. First, second, third, and all the waves. They have kicked open the doors for me. They have endured incredible stigma, persecution, ridicule. There are other Christians in the body of Christ that have written books to slander them. And they just continue to move forward. Because they had a conviction of the things that were unseen. You know, a lot of heresy hunters, their logic... And their rationale for slandering ministries that kind of scare them, like especially the supernatural manifestations and stuff, their argument is usually, without precedence, it must be demonic. Without precedence, it must be heresy. Without precedence, it must not be the Holy Spirit of God, it must be the flesh. 
And they say, so they look at things and then they see like Stacy Campbell. All right, I honor this woman. I love this woman. Hallelujah. But if you, most of you in here, 90% of you in here, if you saw Stacy up here, she came today and she ministered, she will freak out 90% of you right now. I'll tell you right now. She will freak you out. Because you know why? I, I had a measure of faith and I went, I saw her for the first time, it freaked me out. Actually, God gave me a warning. Pastor Paul, I happened to call Pastor Paul on my way there. Pastor Paul's like, where are you going, bro? I was like, I'm, I'm going to go see this lady named Stacy Campbell. And my, one of my friends invited me to this event. And he's like, oh, snap. You're going to see Priscilla Campbell? Yo, 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 let me warn you. Don't get freaked out. I was like, hey, nothing freaked me out. Come on. Come on. All right? And I, and I saw her. And, and it, it shook me up. I was like, whoa, I didn't know God would be doing that. All right? You know, you know what? I, I'll just tell you simply, right? When she, when she prophesies, she gets this manifestation. She calls it ecstatic prophecy. And she... Believes it, it's not unprecedented. It's actually in the Bible, and I agree with it. It is in the Bible. In the Bible, wherever God's Spirit comes upon somebody so powerfully, strongly, He He just possesses them. And you'd be like, "Whoa, possession!" Well, that's just for the demonic possession, right? No, no, no. In the Bible, God's Spirit used to possess people. There are precedents for this, and she just says simply that God has not done away with it. And so, when she prophesies, what happens is. God's spirit comes upon her with power. And then she starts manifesting like this. A lot faster than that, though. And with a lot more hair. So his hair is just going everywhere. Okay? Like, like, turn, turn. Like, Lisa, like, Lisa do that right now. Like, if Lisa starts shaking her head like this, and then at 100 miles per hour, hair is all over the place, you will not go up to her and say, can you pray for me? Right? He'd be like, man, something wrong with her. Like, you know, and, you know, when our church first started, you know, experience of power of God and the fire of God, we had a lot of sisters, and, and they would do the crunches, right? They would go, oh, oh, and, and the KM would be like, oh, yeah, oh, say oh, <laughs> right? And, and Monica and my wife and Jenny, you know, they were all, they were, oh, they do these crunches all the time, right? And then... And then we had a whole bunch of handshakers. All the handshakers would be like, oh, handshaking, handshaking. And, and, you know, and newcomers would see that and, and they were like, oh, I guess they have some kind of itch or, you know, and they're just shaking, you know. And it, it, it didn't go, it just it spread to the men. Like it, it wasn't just a woman thing. The men started getting, you know, and, and so there's all these manifestations. But, you know, after some time we got over it. And we were like, oh, yeah, that's God. That's just God. This is a sign of his power, his presence. Yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah, but we still love God. And so, we're going to deal with it. You know? But man, when I saw Stacey Campbell, I was like, oh, this is new. <laughs> okay, and so God said, judge a tree by its fruit. So I said, oh, well, I'll, I'll just listen to what she's saying. So I heard her message. And she is one of the most biblical teachers I've met. She does because she has a Baptist background. She's real strong in the Word. And then when she was prophesying, man, she, I, was, I was hoping she would prophesy over Aaron and I, but she kept passing us by. She just went up to this couple. And she just, like this. 
and, and this couple had this nice suit on, and the lady had, she looked like she's from Gangnam, like a nice, like, fur coat. I don't know what she had on, but she looked real nice. Right? And she just went like this, and then she just said something like, God's calling you. And all of a sudden, things are breaking out, and they start manifesting and shaking, like they got electrified, electrocuted or something. And they just started crying. And then so she's like prophesying over them, and then she moves over here, and she prophesies over here, and people just start crying. Right? When you can make grown adults cry on the spot, that's usually God. Okay. There's no joke that's so bad that you can make somebody cry on the spot, right? That's a, a, a touch from God. So I just kept looking and hearing what she was prophesying, and she was very good. She was very good. And so I looked into it, and I, and I started to download her sermons and then read her books. I was just like, man, she is, she is one wonderful gift to the body of Christ. But you know what, for since the 80s and 90s, and even still today, people call her demonic. People say she's possessed by a demon. Even people in the charismatic circle, Pentecostal church as well, they will say she's just demonic. Why? Because it's so offensive. I do not want a woman shaking her head at 100 miles per hour prophesying over me. I do not want to read her book. I do not want to say, how are you? I will not give an offering to your ministry. Right? It's just offensive. But check it out. Stacy Campbell had a conviction of things that were unseen. The pattern of revival, the pattern of even just what God does on the earth, it usually does not always have precedence. Can I just say that? Just look at, look at even the stories in the Bible. Noah, build an ark. Lord, that can't be you, because you have never asked anyone to build an ark. There's no precedence for this. No, but that's what God was saying. Build an ark. Right? You can't use that rationale to disregard things that are happening on the earth. Can, can I just say that? Just... Be careful. There are other ways to be discerning. But that rationale, you can't put it on God. Because you know what? The moment you try to put it on God, God, and you're like, well, we have the Bible, and everything that um, is here, these should be the precedence for everything that we should uh, filter out as being from God today. And, and it sounds good. It sounds holy. It sounds religious. It sounds biblical. But be careful, don't do that. You know why? Because the moment you do that to God, and God will be like, man, get off me! Trying to put me in a box. Okay? This is the revelation of God, mind you. The Word of God. It will stand forever. Okay? I'll tell you right now, that God can speak also through His rhema word. Through a fresh word that He gives specifically for your situation. He can use a Bible verse to apply it to your, your situation. But he can also use a prophetically gifted brother or sister. And speak into your situation directly. And then he will do things that didn't have precedence. Look, when the apostles were healing people with handkerchiefs. Okay. I'm sure certain religious Pharisees were like, Hey, there's no precedence for that. Stop using that handkerchief. It's still with the devil. You know. There's no precedence for handkerchief healing. No! No! It's not, 
is not the best rationale to discern which is from God or not. The best is to identify a tree by its fruit. The best is to sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. For those who are led by the Spirit of God will be called sons of God. Hallelujah. Anyway, to define faith for you, faith is simply assurance of things that you hope for and a conviction of things that are unseen. I have a conviction that this church is going to grow. We're going to raise up 300 mighty warriors. We're going to plant a church in Jeju. We're going to plant a church in Busan. They're leaving right now to go to Busan right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm planning. They're probably going to the restaurant. God bless you, whoever, wherever you go. <laughs> and we will plant a church in Pyongyang. Hallelujah. This is not, this is unseen. This is unseen. But I have a conviction for it. And it's okay if you don't have a conviction right now. It's alright because God gave it to me. He gave it to me and you'll catch on. Hallelujah. Now, now that we talked about the fact that faith is important, it's something that we want to increase, and we define what faith is, let me just share with you seven ways in which faith increases in our lives. How does faith increase? The apostles came to Jesus and said, Increase our faith! Increase our faith! Hallelujah. Okay, there's seven ways in which faith increases in the life of God's people. Number one, hearing the word of God. Hearing the word of God. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes from hearing. There you go. And hearing through the word of Christ. When you hear the word of God being preached, being taught, your faith will increase. That's why I always... Get my disciples to give me a reading list. First, I make sure that they're reading their Bible in a systematic manner. If you're doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and you're, that's how you read the Bible every day, okay, your faith is shaky. If somebody shares that with me, and they say, well, you know, the Holy Spirit, He just leads me to a page. <gasps> and when I don't like it, I just let them lead me to another one. <laughs> okay, and they read their Bible that way, I'll be like, man... Your, your Christian life is a playground for devils. Okay, you need to read the Bible in a systematic order. Because this thing is not just to be read for devotionally, but it's to be studied, it's to be eaten, digested, and then you eat it again, and you eat it again. It's the Word of God. So when, when, you, when you read Christian books, your faith is going to increase. Even if you read a bad Christian book, Right? Because well, if you, all you do is eat the meat and throw out the bones, you can still grow. You hear this preaching going on. Hallelujah. Some of you, a year ago, your faith was so shaky. But today it is strong. You didn't read one Christian book in between, and you're still doing any, meeny, miny, mo. But you still grew. Why? Because hallelujah, God's given me anointing to preach to you. And as I preach the word of God, your faith is growing. Whether you like it or not. You could be there all critical, analytical. But I'm telling you right now, man, when the anointing will break through that. The anointing cuts through that. I'm telling you, man, there's an anointing on me to preach the Word of God. Hallelujah. But, you know, you, you got... How, thank you, honey. And, you know, you, you, but you got to read those books as well because that's all going to contribute to the growth of faith. 
You know, and Matthew 7, Christ likened faith to a man building a house. And he said, the man who hears the word and puts, them in, puts it into practice is a man who builds on rock. The rains came, streams rose, winds beat against that house, yet it did not fall. But, Jesus said, everyone who hears the word of Christ and does not put it into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. When the storms of life came, that house fell with a great crash. So what's Jesus saying here? If you want your faith to increase, not only do you got to hear it, but you got to hear it and apply it. You got to hear it and put it into practice. Hallelujah. That's why in here, some of you have grown just by virtue of hearing. There is a growth of faith that happens just by hearing. Even if you don't apply, it's, it's growing. Trust me, it's growing. But if you hear it and you apply it, hallelujah, you will grow exponentially more. Hallelujah. I don't know why I'm snapping. Exponentially more. And you know when you can tell these two apart? When the storms come. The one person's faith will have grown just by hearing. But when the storms come, they're going to fall. But the other person, they hear it and put it into practice, they will stand strong no matter what life throws at them. Hallelujah. Hearing the Word of God. That's how our faith increases. And can I just say also in here, the Bible says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And vast majority of us who grew up in an evangelical church, Presbyterian Methodist Baptist Church, vast majority of us, we look at that verse and we only think of what? We only think of the, about, about the Bible. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And we think, oh, that's talking about the Bible. And it is talking about the Bible. But can I also say, there is another word a word of revelation, the rhema word of God that comes through the mouth of His prophets, through the gift of prophecy, that is just, maybe not just, it's not equally as important, but it's very important, hallelujah, for your Christian life. If you live by bread alone, if you do not get prophecy, if you don't get regular prophecy into your life, I'm telling you right now, your faith will dry up. Your faith, you will struggle. But if you go from revelation to revelation, from prophecy to prophecy, I'm telling you, you're going going to prosper. David, if you look at his kingship, David's kingship, he always sought the prophets. He surrounded himself. He employed prophets around him. Because these prophets will give him strategies about how to win battles. These prophets, man, they will speak into his life. And he prospered. You may not know somebody who has a gift of prophecy. Who was sharing with me the other day? Somebody was sharing with me. Oh, all right. I'm, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to just call him out. Yeah. Pastor Victor over at Jube, right? At Jubilee Church, right? There's a good friend of mine, Pastor Victor. And I, I was at a wedding for, uh, for one of uh, Jubilee's um, administrators. And, uh, you know, I got to hang out with, uh, you know, with all those Jubilee brothers. Hallelujah. And... I was hanging out with Pastor Victor, and uh, Victor was sharing me the story of how this 
this, this black woman, this is newcomer at church. She just took him aside and started to pray over him. And asked him, hey, can, can I just say some things that I feel God's put on my heart? He said, go ahead. And she just started to prophesy. She prophesied the entire theme of what God was bringing him through in the year. She could not have known that. But she hit it right on the head. And Victor just said, he started, he started, he just started getting shaking him and started crying. And then he, God really got his attention, right? Then God started to prophesy through her. And in 2010, it will be a different season. Where in 2009, it was a lot of things that were happening around him with his family and people around him. In 2010, it will be about him. It will be about what God does in his depths of his heart. And it just, it just, it just ministered to him. Why? Because it's a prophetic word. It does not come from the mouth of a black woman. It's coming from the mouth of God. Tell me, just as much as, I can't say just as much, because the word of God is, is, is authority. Has authority. Hallelujah. But, you know, prophetically gifted people, they don't, they have measures of authority. And can I say that? This is absolute authority, but then the people who have prophetic gift things, depending on where they are in developing their gifting, they have a measure of authority. Okay, so Vicky Porterfield, man, she had a very strong measure of authority. Even Dell, when he came, he's 23 years old, but he has a very strong measure of authority. But you know, if, if some of the baby prophets in our, in our church, they prophesy over me, I, you know, I eat the meat, I throw out the bone. Why? Because it's just that authority is just not ringing through their prophecy. It's okay. I say, thank you, brother. Thank you, sister. Thank you for that word. I'll bring it before the Lord. Thank you for that word. Hallelujah. Right? I just want to try to encourage them to rise up. But hallelujah. Hearing the word of God. That's what I mean. By hearing the word of God. Faith increases. Number two. Faith increases when you see the power of God. Hallelujah. You might be like, well, we shouldn't get emotional. We shouldn't base our faith on emotions. You know, in Campus Crusade, in the four spiritual laws, if you look in the back, the four spiritual laws is just like an evangelistic tool that we use and we read through it with non-believers on the street. Anyway, on the back of the booklet, there's this lesson on faith. And it says, you know, the front of the train is the Word of God. And then the next train cart is faith. And then the next train cart is feelings. And so they say, what is pulling this train? And then you, you, you get the other person to answer it. Well, the word of God. Well, well, that means that we should not depend on feelings. Because faith in the word of God and then the feelings will follow. Right? And so we try to use that diagram to teach people, hey, don't depend so much on, on feelings when it comes to Christianity. Because, you know, when it comes down to it, you might get saved one day. And then a month later, Christianity just doesn't feel so good. Right? And, and so we want to encourage them, hey, don't depend on those feelings so much. Depend on faith. Hallelujah. But, you know, it's, that's such a convenient way to dissect faith and feelings. But, man, when it comes down to it, faith and feelings, they, they very much go together. You know, just like John Piper tries to teach and Jonathan Edwards taught, you know, faith and feelings, they're very, very much interconnected. They're very much interconnected, you know. And somebody say, well, Seeing the power of God does not necessarily increase our faith. It just gets us excited. It just increases our emotions, our feelings. That's not true. This is not true. It's not in, that's not what the Bible says. Okay. Seeing the power of God will increase your faith. 
Seeing Daisy healed by the power of God. Right there, her sharing her testimony. There was a power of God that got released into every one of you. And there's a faith for miracles that raised up in your heart. 1 Corinthians 2.5 Apostle Paul said, My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Hallelujah. Did you get what I just read? Some of y'all just turn off, turn off your, your, your brain because you've heard that message, that you heard that word so much. I'm going to read it again, right? My speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. I mean, it wasn't eloquent. I wasn't elaborate. You know, I stuttered when I preached to you, when I talked to you. I, I stuttered. I, I didn't even get to my third point. I, I went, my messages were two hours long and you, you, were, you didn't like sitting through them. My message, I didn't come with you like that. But instead, I came with the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. So, you know, Apostle Paul, you know, he's trying to preach. And maybe he wasn't a very good preacher. That's why he focused on his writing. I don't know. But I think he was actually a good preacher, though. Because he, he, did, he did do an awesome church planning job. But uh, well, let's say, you know, he came and, he, and maybe it was the beginning of his ministry. I don't know. And, and he's stuttering and he, and he can't get through his message. But then he says, oh, I feel like Spirit of God's telling me. Hey, sister, come up here. Sister, come up here. Sister, you have uh, cancer. Cancer of your liver. God's going to heal you of that. Hallelujah. And the person like, starts shaking on the power of God. Everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? The, the message all of a sudden got exciting. And then he's still going back to his message. And he's trying to... And, he's trying to, and then all of a sudden, God gives another word out. Hey, uh, brother, um, um, uh, you're, uh, you got into an accident last week. And your neck's hurting you. But right now, fire God. Boom. And, and then... And the person gets healed. Oh, my neck pain's gone! My neck pain's gone! And he's shouting in the sanctuary. And that's what he means. He didn't come with these nice, elaborate, eloquent sermons. He came with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. There were signs and wonders. When he would pray for people, people would shake. There was a sign. There was a wonder of what was going on. And so why? So that your faith wouldn't rest on man's wisdom, but on God's power. When your faith rests on the power of God, your faith will increase. Okay. And there's different ways in which you can see the power of God. A, you can hear about it. So we have a testimony. There's a power in the testimony. Amen. Okay, you can hear about the power of God. B, you can experience it yourself personally on your flesh. You can experience the power of God. And some of you, you get stuck on that. I haven't experienced this, so I don't really believe it. Okay, don't get stuck there. Okay, very rarely do I personally experience the power of God on my physical flesh. Okay, but that's not the only way to see the power of God. You understand? That's one of the ways. See, you see it in person happening to somebody else. Okay, there's some, there's a difference between hearing about it through a testimony and then being in the middle of a service and then seeing your friend who last week was out clubbing with you and then came out today and all of a sudden, the power of God hits her, and she's on the floor. All right? When I was over at uh, New Life, all right? Where are the New Lifers at today? Hey, where's New Life? New Life, make some noise! <laughs> all right, all right. Usually, Aussies are not shy, by the way. All right, Hallelujah. Well, they're 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 taking they're hurry taking their notes. That's why they're. 
Anyway, when I, when I was over at, in Sydney for New Life's Battlefield Retreat, there's a young man. He's going to join us for worship, I think, next week. All right. Let's call him KT, right? Because that's what his initials are. <laughs> uh, but uh, brother, brother KT, man, he was, he was smoking, drinking, doing everything, you know, doing bad things, bad things. And he had a friend. He had his little partner in crime, right? They're doing bad things. He comes to this retreat. You know, he had just, you know, done whatever. Smoked up whatever he did the the, the day before. But he came to this retreat. And the power of God hit him. And he was just completely changed. His faith grew. Boom, 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 boom. Because he got hit by the power of God. I remember on Sunday service, uh, what I had actually led him through was called like a mini healing and deliverance session. And man, God just really delivered him powerfully. He had this, he had this a rage in him. And uh, God delivered him from, from the spirit of rage. And uh, after he, he, he got healed, uh, he was at the Sunday service and he came up to, for, for the altar call. He came up to the front and I, and I looked at him and I said, Hey, hey bro, you get, you get prayed for for the fire of God at the retreat? And he's like, No, I don't know what that is. And I said, Well, uh, do you want it? He's like, uh, Okay. So I was like, do you want the fire of God? Close your eyes, raise your hands. So he closed his eyes, he raised his hands. I said, here comes the fire of God, are you ready for this? And I just had this gift of faith that started rising up in me. And I just knew for certain that he was going to get hit real powerfully. And God's like, watch out, watch out, watch his neighbors. He's going to fly, he's going he's to he's hit the ground. So I, I said, here it comes brother, here it comes, get ready, here it comes, fire! And all of a sudden, boom, he just falls on the ground. And he starts shaking. And the funny thing was, his little partner in crime, his friend, best friend, he came up and he sat right next to him like this. And his mouth was wide open. He was like, Pastor Christian, what's going on? What's happening to him? Is he okay? I'm like, that's just the fire of God, bro. You're going to get that too. But he wasn't wasn't there yet. He wasn't ready. But man, that, that brother's life has been completely turned around. After he, he got to witness, he got to experience the power of God. So you can hear about it. You can experience it. You can see it in person. And fourth, you can demonstrate it. You can demonstrate it. When you demonstrate this, the power of God, I'm telling you right now, your faith is going to grow. Right? When, when, when uh, the Australia team, when they came with us, you know, a lot of these guys, they never even had an experience of laying hands on, on people at the altar. But they, they came and then they did it. And then their faith grew. When you go on a mission trip, you go on a mission trip with an anointed man of God, right? Last year, the India team, the Philippines team, in the summer, the Myanmar team, when they went out, what happened? Some of them had never laid hands on anyone. They said, what do I do? Well, you just, just go like this and say fire, brother. It's real simple. When the anointing is flowing, you just say fire and the Holy Spirit will just get them. And these people, they just, they just demonstrate the power of God. What happened? All of their faith grew. Boom, 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 boom. They came back. Yeah, Lord, yeah. Yeah, Pastor Christian, yeah. I was like, calm down. <laughs> I'm happy for you. There'll be more though. Uh, third, third, how does faith increase? You fellowship with apostles or apostolic leaders. You fellowship with apostles or apostolic leaders. Your faith will increase. I guarantee it. Hallelujah. First Thessalonians three two. 
Paul says, We sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ. We sent him to establish and exhort you in your faith. We sent him to establish and exhort. In other words, we sent him to increase your faith. Okay, some people will argue Timothy was an apostle. Other people would say there's not enough evidence of that. I don't know. But all I know is Timothy was definitely apostolic. Because why? He was hanging around Paul all the time. You hang around an apostle, and that is like, that's an express train to becoming apostolic. If you don't know what that means, you need to go back to my September message, alright? Hallelujah. I'm not, I'm not here to explain that. You fellowship with apostles and apostolic leaders and your faith will increase. Hebrews 13.7 says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their what? Everybody say it. It's faith, by the way. <laughs> imitate their faith. Hallelujah. Hebrews 13.7 says, Imitate their faith. If you imitate the faith of apostles or apostolic leaders, I'm telling you, your faith is going to grow. Your faith is going to grow. You know, and that's why, you know, hallelujah, I've been so blessed. You know, like, man, like Pastor Paul would just call me up randomly. He'd be like, yo, 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 son. Oh, what's up, Pastor Paul? Yo, what you doing? What you doing? I'm just chilling, relaxing, you know what I'm saying? That's the way we talk. That's exactly the way we talk. <laughs> Maybe he won't be happy if y'all found out, but he's like, all right, yo, yo, gangster, you come on, come, yo, let me come over. I'm like, all right, all right, you can come over. And he'll come over. And we just hang out. And we just laugh. Just being ourselves. And sometimes we don't even pray. <laughs> yeah, I, I said it. When pastors get together, all right, they don't spend an hour in prayer all the time, all right? Sometimes we do pray. But I say the majority of the time, we don't even pray. We say, oh, I, I, I got to go, man. My wife is going to say something. All right, peace out. You know, we just send them off. But I'm telling you right now, every time I fellowship with that brother, my faith increases. There's not been a single meeting where my faith has not increased after meeting with him. Because, uh, I mean, in my eyes, Pastor Paul is a prophet. He's got that prophetic calling on his life. He's a prophet. He's a prophet pastor. Hallelujah. When I, when I fellowship, man, with different leaders from different churches, the reason I do it is not just to buy them lunch. It's so that my faith can grow. I don't tell them that. I don't have to tell them. They don't have to know that. Oh, I'm here to increase Christians' faith. Oh, okay. No, they don't even have to know that. Just fellowshipping with them, telling you there is a grace that flows and your faith will increase. Number four, giving glory to God through persecution and trial. Giving glory to God through persecution and trial, your faith will increase. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. Because your faith is growing abundantly. And the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore, we 
boast, we ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Okay. In this letter, Paul reveals a clue as to why and how the Thessalonica church was growing in faith. It says, your faith is growing abundantly. How was their faith growing abundantly? Well, it gives us a clue right here. Because of your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. When you go through something, you go through a persecution, you go through affliction, and through that, you don't get bitter, you don't get all us. you give glory to God through it all. Hallelujah. Your faith will increase. Your faith will increase. And sometimes you get so stagnant, that's the only thing that will make your faith increase. Is to bring some slander. As a Christian, I heard, I heard, um, uh, I heard this and this about you. It's not true. Well, that's what I heard. I go, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that. And I go home. And I just start to get angry. <laughs> Man, how could they slander me like that? It's not even remotely accurate. Or somebody will post up a blog or send me an email. Or, 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 or there'll be, you know, somebody that, that I just feel like is just, you know, just slowing things down or just, just giving me a hard time. And then, and then, and the Lord will say, what, what, what you gonna do? How are you gonna respond to that? Well, I'm angry, Lord. That's, that's what I think though. I feel anger. That's not right. They don't understand the whole story. It's not, I wanna set them straight. God says, is that what you're going to do? Is that your responsibility in this? I was like, well, well, maybe it is. The Lord will be like, you check yourself, son. Bless and do not curse. Pray for those who persecute you. Overcome evil with good. Oh, got me again. <laughs> Word of God. Got me again. All right, well, Lord, I'm going to bless them. I'm going to pray a prayer blessing right now just to prove it that I, that's really where my heart is. And actually, as I pray, my heart's going to change. Lord, I bless that person that I'm angry about right now. They got all the story all wrong and they're thinking the wrong things and they don't, they're misunderstanding me. But you know what, Lord? I'm going to let you fight my battles. I know you will vindicate your servants. I'm just going to take the high road. I'm going to bless them. Lord, I bless them. Bless their family. Bless their ministry. Bless their heart. Amen. The Lord says, it's good. You've done good. And then, you know, there'd be something else and it wouldn't go so well. And then I fail. And God says, alright, it's okay. I still love you, son. And sends it again. I think it's mostly in the form of a uh, road rage. That's the one that I keep failing. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. It's hard to bless some drivers here. But if you will give God glory through persecution and trial, your faith will increase. James 1.3 says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Or in the NIV says, perseverance. When your faith is tested, that is when your faith will grow. Number five. Share your faith. Your faith will grow when you share your faith. You want faith to increase? Well, share your faith with others. Philemon 1.6 
I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Hallelujah. Tell you right now, before you evangelize, this is how much your measure of faith is for the gospel. And if you have never evangelized, this is probably right where you are, like this, even smaller. This is how much faith you have in the gospel. But let me tell you right now, if you get part of a leadership program, CCC, InterVarsity, at a local church, you come to New Philadelphia, and we say, we're going out evangelizing today. We're going out evangelizing today. Alright? Tell you right now, after the end of that day, all right, your faith in the gospel will have doubled or even more. Okay, you know why? This is what happens. I believe in Jesus Christ. I don't need to prove that. I will go evangelize. Okay. You're going to evangelize. You mean to those strangers? Yeah, that's what evangelism is. You got to go. You got you to reach the unreached. All right, all right, okay. Okay, okay. And you just start to think, do I really believe this? Wait, what is the gospel? I don't even know what to say. Pastor Christian, what do I say? Hey, well, you believe the gospel, don't you? You should know what to say. Come on, figure it out. Come on, go ahead. <laughs> and then they start to think, and they go through this whole process, and they go out, and they step out, and they say, Hi, sir. Hello. <laughs> Can I have five minutes? No? Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, oh, wow. I feel better already. That wasn't so bad. And they keep going out, and they evangelize, and they, and they preach the gospel. They share their faith. I'm telling you, their faith starts to grow, 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 grow. My staff training, they require me, I shared this already. They, they required us to, to share the gospel at least over a hundred times during four months. And we had to do it. And I'm telling you right now, it didn't feel good. Most of the time, the majority of the time, by the way, when you do initiative evangelism on the streets, it doesn't feel good. I say 90% of the time, you are rejected. You are ridiculed. People look at you with condescending eyes. People kind of belittle you, patronize you. It's a humbling experience. But I'm telling you right now, through those 120 encounters I had at UC Irvine, my faith grew for the gospel. My faith grew. Hallelujah. Share your faith. Why do you think the Apostle Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. A persecutor. Next thing you know, people are like, is he an apostle? Is he an apostle? How did his faith grow so quickly? I'll tell you why. Because right after he got saved, right after. Not right after, like the next day, but like, you know. Soon thereafter, he went out to the temple and he started preaching the gospel. And that's what he did the rest of his life. Consistently. He went out, he preached the gospel. He shared his faith. That's why his faith was so big and powerful and strong. Number six. Prayer. Prayer. If faith is a muscle, prayer is your aerobics. Hallelujah. Who likes doing aerobics in here? You like aerobics. Alright, God bless you, Emily. Aerobics. You know, most of us don't like aerobics. Why? Because, you know, this is hard. Let's just press pause. Aerobics is hard. If, if faith is a muscle, then prayer is your aerobics. And I'm not talking about just, you know, like just prayer, like your quiet time prayer, like just talking to God type of prayer. I'm talking about like intercession. Intercession. Bam, bam. Just 
and just connecting with God at deep, deep, like spirit to spirit, like deep levels, deep calls out to deep, you know, that kind of level. All right? When you do that, your faith is being strengthened. The Bible says in Jude 1.20, You, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You pray with words. You pray in tongues. You pray. No matter what you do, you pray. Your faith is growing. Your faith is growing. If you pray, your faith is growing. Hallelujah. You know, I'd be like, well, it, doesn't, it just feels like I'm just speaking into thin air. No, it ain't. Every time you pray, you're building yourself up. Especially when you pray in tongues. Okay, because tongues, praying in tongues is a very, very non-Western activity. Because it doesn't make sense. Paul said it like this. When I pray with my spirit, my mind is unfruitful. In the Western world, we do not like to spend our time doing things that make our mind unfruitful. Because in the Western world, it's all about right Greek influence. It's all about logic. It's all about knowledge. I'm telling you right now, you got to pray in the Spirit. you got to learn how to pray in tongues to build yourself up in your faith. But you got to also pray with words, by the way. you got to pray with your mind. That's also going to build you up. Pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. You know, and, and praise the Lord. At our church, God is redefining quiet time. Amen? Somebody know what I'm talking about? This past year, I spent time with the staff. Somebody made a joke. They were like, Pastor Christian's quiet time is not very quiet. And then God said something to me in my spirit. He said, that's going to be the norm. I'm redefining quiet time. It's just too much religious jargon in there. It's just so religious. Quiet time is so religious. Why don't y'all let me show you what, how to do, have a quiet time? Right? I'm telling you right now. In this church, among the leaders, quiet time will no longer be quiet. Hallelujah. I'm not talking about like, you know, disregard meditation and reflection. No, you, you have your quiet moments. And then you have your explosive moments. And then somebody's like, is there a fight going on over there? What is going on in that room? Okay. It is the people of God communing with the Lord, travailing in prayer. It's the people of God. Hallelujah. Increasing in faith. How many of y'all think... No, no, that's a bad question. I'm sorry, Lord. That's not a good example. Quiet time. Quiet time. That's the inside joke. Quiet time. <laughs> Ain't nothing quiet about quiet time. You know what I was doing in my prayer closet. Hallelujah. I'll tell you right now, man. If, you, if your quiet time is literally quiet, you probably won't want to have quiet time. Right? There's times when you have that. But if that's your consistent quiet time, then quiet time is just going to seem very boring. But I'm telling you, man, quiet time's not like that. Quiet time is not like that. I'll tell you right now. I bet you if we could turn back the clock and see Daniel in his prayer closet at noon. Why do you think all those other people 
All those pagans, they found out about Daniel praying at noon. Okay? It wasn't because Daniel was like, um, um, yes, Yahweh. Mm. Okay? No, Daniel, Daniel was praying. He was crying out to God, Yahweh! Yahweh, my baby! Oh, I see a vision! Oh, what's going on? Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! This is, I don't know, I don't know, but I bet you, I bet you it was enough noise for the people to like be like, hey, Daniel's praying again. Hey, he's not supposed to do that. Apostle Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And laughs. Hallelujah. Hey, hey, did I not say 2010 will be the year of epic faith? All right. So when you're hearing the word of God, your faith is increasing. So hallelujah. Sit down there and enjoy it. Because I passed the hour marker 10 minutes ago. I'm sorry to the newcomers. I'm just, it's more of an inside joke for, for the new Philly people. But last, number seven. Last way to increase your faith. Comes from Hebrews 12.2. This was my uh, memory verse at my water baptism. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. The last way, the seventh way, you can increase your faith. Is to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. Jesus said, if a man abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Just abide in him. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't get caught up with your assignment, even if it's the assignment you got from God. You're not to fix your eyes on your assignment. You are to fix your eyes on Jesus. Your assignment is not going to increase your faith if you're fixed on it. You got to fix on the one who gave you that assignment. And this means always remember the cross. Some of you might say, well, that means always remember the basics. That sounds boring to me. I don't know if that's going to really increase my faith. You're wrong. If you will focus on the basics of the gospel, you preach the gospel to yourself, you meditate on the cross, and you remember the cross, you sing songs about the cross, and you don't say to yourself, oh, just another song about the cross. Why are Christians so obsessed with the cross? No, you don't say that. You say, oh, yes, another song about the cross. Hallelujah. The cross the cross is the power of God for salvation. Hallelujah. That is the symbol of the everlasting life for God's people. And you celebrate the cross. You fix your eyes on Jesus. Your faith will increase. That's what it really comes down to. That's what it's all about. You know, in Reformed theology, one thing that bothers me but blesses me about Reformed theology, right? You know, a lot of guys from the Reformed Theology uh, School. They insist on preaching every sermon Christocentrically. 
What I mean by that is, have you ever gone to Redeemer Church in New York City? Tim Keller? He's a fine man of God. Every message he preaches, he always somehow brings it back to the cross. And he insists on doing that. He insists so much, it's annoying. And I say, well, I, I, don't, I don't agree with you, Tim Keller. I think you should, you should preach a little bit more diverse. And he's like, no, this is the best way, and it should be, therefore, the only way. They don't talk like that, but yeah. That's what a lot of reform guys were saying. And I had Dr. J back in last spring semester. He did the same thing. He was like, he was like, Christian, you might want to preach topically. You might want to preach allegorically. But let me tell you right now, the best. I'm not saying this is the only, but this is the best. So what do you do, Dr. J? I only preach Christocentrically. I'm like, well, what about what about like all these other like preachers that 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 are clearly a blessing to the body of Christ, and they and they just think, well, they're they're not. They're not living up to their full preaching potential. I disagree with that. I don't think every message needs to be crystal-centric. But what bothers me also blesses me. Because what these guys do, every one of their messages, it strengthens the people of God. Because you think, if I, if I stood here and I preached the last 70 minutes... If I preached a message about the gospel, I just preached the gospel to you, even though you're, you're believers already. If I spent seven minutes preaching the gospel, you might think, well, that's a waste of time. There's no non-Christians in there. There aren't that many non-Christians in here. Okay, you're wrong. If I preach the gospel, you'll be strengthened. Your faith would increase. That's something about it. I'm telling you, there's something about it. When you preach the cross and the resurrection, you preach the gospel, it causes us to fix our eyes. On Jesus. And he truly becomes the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. If 2010 is the year of faith, it's the year of epic faith. It's faith is going to explode out of this congregation. Hallelujah. I want to ask you, do you want to be a part of that? Are you going to be complacent and happy with where your faith is? Or do you want to push through at any cost to see your faith increase? You know, in here, some of you have faith, but some of you are thinking more highly than you ought to about yourself. And your faith is actually smaller than a mustard seed. But you think it's pretty big. And what you really need is, you need to grow. You need to grow up. You need your faith to increase. As others in here, you have a great measure of faith already. But guess what? There's more ways to go. You have not arrived yet. Do you want, do you want your faith to grow in 2010? All right. I'm just giving you an opportunity right now. Make your prayer to God. What you pray to God right now will make a difference between how you experience the entire year. Make your prayer to God right now. Let Him know that you want your faith to increase. Come on, let's pray, brothers and sisters.
Jesus said, When the Son of Man returns, will He find faith on the earth? And Lord God, we want the answer from this church to be a resounding yes. That you will find faith here and you will find it in abundance, O God. That the faith, O God, Lord, of our spiritual fathers will be alive in us. And that we will take that measure and we will even grow to even greater measures, Lord. Increase our faith, God. Increase the faith of your people, God. In 2010, may this indeed be the year of faith. For I decree and declare that faith is increasing. Even right now, as of today, Lord. The faith of your people is being stirred up. It is growing. It is increasing, Lord. And no matter what storms of life may come, we will stand strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. No matter where, we're, where we are persecuted, no matter what tests we are brought through, we will not waver in the promise that you've given to us. We will not waver, O oh God, Lord, of the things that we are hoping for. We will not waver in the convictions, O oh God, of things that are unseen, Lord. But our faith may be strong, and it may grow, and it may increase. Give you all the glory, God. For you are worthy of all our faith. We trust in you and we pray we may trust you more in all the various areas of our lives. Thank you, God. God, there are those that are listening that their faith feels like it's hanging by a string. And we're not talking about their faith in the gospel. We're just talking about their faith in some particular areas hanging by a string. And God, my prayer is that God, you will strengthen such hearts today. You will strengthen and increase the faith of such people, Lord. Speak hope. I speak hope. I speak hope into hopeless situations, God. May the faith of your people not be defined or determined or directed by the situations that we face or the natural things that we see but by the promises of God which are yes and amen in Christ yes Lord increase our faith Lord. increase our faith I pray these things in Jesus name amen hallelujah amen